right, so tonight we are really starting the, the meat portion of this Say What series. And I know not all of you guys were here last week, so I'm going to kind of tell you again uh, what we're doing in this and also offer you a chance to participate in this as well if you didn't get a chance to last week. But what we're going to do is, uh, and this kind of stemmed from conversations that I've had with my wife uh, lately just about like deep theological stuff. And I realized that even, even the strongest Christians um, have questions about the Christian faith. And um, on top of that, you know, we've got a lot of young Christians in here. We've got a lot of just young people in general who are still learning um, in general, kind of, that, that maybe have questions about what Christians believe or, or maybe something that's going on in their life. And, and so um, we talked last week as kind of a startup to this series about the proper way to ask questions to God. And if you weren't here last week, I really hope that you go check out uh, the podcast from last week. It's Lowell Students um, is, or Lowell Student Ministry on, on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Go check that out, and it'll really kind of it'll really show you how to ask questions of God. And what I ask at the end is I said, I want you all to take a note card and I have note cards and pens and stuff up here. If you're wanting to do this after today's service, but I ask everyone to write down a question or a couple questions that they had for God. And let me tell you guys right now, the questions you guys submitted again, I didn't ask. I asked for no one to put their name on it. I didn't want to know who was asking the questions or anything like that. I just want to know. I wanted it to be an open line of communication for you guys to ask any question you wanted. Okay. And um, the, the questions that I got from you guys were truly remarkable. Like it, it and I shared them in staff meeting this morning and, and the entire staff was really blown away at the, at the deepness of some of the questions that you guys asked. So uh, thank you guys for that. You guys really gave me a big challenge um, in the questions and stuff to tackle over the next few weeks. And so I'm willing to open that up to more questions, but I would ask before you write a question and submit it to me that you go listen to the podcast last week on how to ask questions because I want the questions to be asked in the right way. Okay, because I think, as, you, as you'll hear in there, it's very important the way you ask this question. So, tonight we're going to tackle our first question. And it was really hard kind of figuring out where to start. I kind of boiled all your questions down to, like, some of them were similar and I could kind of combine questions and everything. But I boiled them down to eight basic questions out of the ones you submitted, which was pretty much answering almost every question that was submitted. <clears throat> and so tonight, the first question that we are going to tackle is why are people mean to me because I'm a Christian? Why are people mean to me because I'm a Christian? And uh, so we're going to look at this, this topic. We're going to look at this question and kind of really dive into <clears throat> the answer. Uh, but before we do that, uh, the thing that this video, and, and I'm not really going to talk, like a lot of times the video kind of summarizes what I'm going to talk about. But I thought that there were some things he said in that video that were really interesting about how Christians are viewed as hypocrites because a lot of times, quite frankly, they act like it. I think we've all seen someone who is a Christian or, or claims to be a Christian get on social media or on you know some sort of virtual platform and maybe even just in personal interaction and act very unchristlike. Right? I, I think we've all seen that. Would, would we agree? This is yes, this is no. Yeah, we've all seen this happen. Okay, this is not something that's new. 
And so taking that out of the equation, okay, let's say that people, people hate Christians because they act like jerks sometimes. Okay, that would be a very easy question. But for the everyday Christian that's sitting here going, you know what, I work really hard to be a good Christian. Yeah, I make mistakes, but... I work really hard to be a nice person, to say the right thing, to treat people the right way, blah, blah, blah. Why do people just hate me generally because I'm a Christian? Is kind of what we're going to look at today. So don't be expected to be like, because Christians are jerks. That's why people hate. No, that's not what we're looking at today. We're looking at why do people hate you just because you say, hey, I'm a Christian. Nice to meet you. And they respond with, I hate you. Okay, that's kind of really what we're digging into today. So when I was looking through these questions, a few different things stuck out to me. Uh, Like I said, first, you guys ask great questions. Uh, Very well thought out, and I could almost feel um, where these questions were coming from. Like, And again, I have no idea who was asking the questions. I genuinely have no clue. Um, And I could like almost feel situations in your life that these questions were coming from. It was really cool to kind of, to kind of like, I almost got to put myself in your shoes for those moments and be like, man, I can really see where they're asking this question from. <clears throat> the second thing that kind of came to me as I was reading this question is sometimes the biblical answer or the Bible answer and the actual answer of these questions are not the same. And that sounds kind of tricky, but you'll see what I mean by this in just a minute. For an example, when I see a question, I would immediately think of like a scripture that went with it, right? And so like if someone was like, why do people hate Christians? And I'd be like, oh, because the Bible says that, or Jesus tells us that because the world hated me, they will also hate you. Well, okay, that's, that's a scripture that pertains to this idea of why does the world hate Christians? But it really doesn't answer the question of why does the world hate Christians? So in some of the cases, the scriptural answer served as more of informational or maybe a warning than actually being the answer to the question. Does that make sense to you guys? So it took a little digging. And so this this first question tonight, why do people hate Christians, fell into that category. So immediately when I read this question, I thought of Matthew 10, 22. If you want to write that down, you can read it later. Jesus literally says, you will be hated by everyone because of my name. Again, that's a great verse to point to when I'm like, oh, why do people hate me? Oh, Matthew 10, 22. Jesus says people are going to hate me because I follow Jesus. Okay. But that doesn't really answer the question. Another really popular one, maybe even more popular than that one. Another thing that popped into my head was John 15. And here Jesus gives more of a lengthy warning um, about the persecution that we will face as Christians. Um, and that's in verses uh, 18. And it's going to go a little past 21, but I'm just going to read 20, 18 through 21 to you right now. So John 15, 18 through 21 says, "If the this is Jesus speaking here, okay? It says, if the world hates you, keep in mind it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world That is why the world hates you. Remember the words I spoke to you. No servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If you obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. I look at this passage 
And actually, I talk to you guys all the time about in my Bible that like passages have little headings or like titles that tell what it's about. And, and literally in my Bible, it says Jesus warns about the world's hatred. Okay, so this idea that the world hates Christians, this is not some sort of new topic. Okay, this is not something that's only happening in our current day. This is something that happened before Jesus day in Jesus day after Jesus day all the way up until today. Okay, so this is not a new topic, right? And, and the fact that Jesus actually gives us almost a whole paragraph talking about the world hating us is really a great place to start when we're looking for the answer of why do people hate Christians? And now I'm not sitting here, <clears throat> I'm not sitting here trying to play some sort of victim card or say, oh my goodness, in America, we are so oppressed as Christians. Like, okay, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say that because in reality, we have great freedom compared to a lot of places around the world. What we're specifically talking about, and, and I'm not even saying that every single non-Christian hates Christians, but I, I have a feeling I'm not the only person in here who has had a conversation or an experience with someone that you maybe didn't even know, and they found out you were a Christian, and they immediately started treating you hatefully or differently. Right. And so, again, I'm not saying that every single person who's not a Christian hates Christians, but I'm saying in a general sense, many people who are not Christians tend to dislike Christians. And so why is the answer to that is what we're looking for tonight. <clears throat> so I think this is an interesting question because, you know, we know that Jesus uh, lived a human life. We know that Jesus was tempted in the same way we're tempted. And we know that Jesus had a lot of the same feelings we felt, the same emotions, right? We, we look at the time when he wept because his friend Lazarus passed away, right? And, and, and we think about this as kind of funny because Jesus knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. So, so why in that moment did he, was he sad? It's because Jesus felt these emotions even though he knew maybe the result or knew the answer. And so I, I sit here and I look at this man, Jesus, who was hated by the world. It says right here, remember, they hated me first. Okay, so we know Jesus was hated by the world, which means he's acknowledging here that he has felt the, the pain of being hated. Okay, we see this in the scripture. And so... I don't doubt the fact that Jesus at some point in his life asked this same question. Why do people hate me just because I'm Jesus? It says in verse 25, a little bit further down, Jesus says that this was to fulfill a quote from Psalms that, that people or the world would hate Jesus for no reason. You can read that in, in verse 25. But guys, I don't know about you. But I have reasons for people to hate me, right? I, I make mistakes. I've, I've heard before I have a somewhat annoying personality. I, you know, I don't really care. But, um, but I've heard people say, like, I have traits. I have characteristics. I have flaws that make me a hateable person, right? If someone chooses to hate me, I'm like, okay, fair point. Like, I, I'm not going to argue with you. But when I look at Jesus, he had no reason for people to hate him. 
right? Jesus was a perfect individual. He never sinned. He never, con- he never um, committed any crimes or, or did anything wrong. Yes, he confronted people, but, but he did it in, in a way that was, that was designed by God to be the right way. And so people who hated him, they literally hated him just because he was Jesus and had no other reasoning for it. So if the world has, uh, has no problem hating someone who has no grounds for being hated, then I'm totally fair game for the world to hate on. Right? Can we all agree on that for a second? So, so we all are in play. Right. As as humans, as Christians, we are all fair game for people to hate on us. However, looking at this idea of the world hating you and me because we are Christians, there is no doubt in my mind that people definitely hate Christians based on nothing other than their faith. Seeing the fact that the world hated Jesus based on who he is, I can immediately draw a conclusion to say people today hate me, hate you just based on your faith alone and nothing else. None of your problems, none of your your faults, none of your personality, nothing else other than you believe that Jesus is the son of God. They hate you based on. On that alone. So I look at these verses and I think of them as almost a quick answer to this question. However, on the, on the surface, they are more like we look at this as more of a warning, right? Saying, hey, the world's going to hate you. Just letting you know. It's more of a warning or informing us what, what would happen, in our, what will happen in our future. And then for most cases in our present as well. And while I do see the answers in here to why does the world hate Christians, they're not just kind of sitting on the surface top, right? We have to dig a little bit deeper and figure out not just that the world will hate us, right? That's very clearly pointed out in these verses. Not, Not will the world hate us, but why does the world hate us? So then I look through this passage and I really see three answers from this passage alone. And I'm not saying, again, I'm not saying that this, these three things are the only reason that people hate Christians, right? Because we're not even going to talk about how Christians live their own sinful lives and have their own problems and people hate Christians based on their actions, right? These are just three reasons that people hate Christians for no reason other than them being Christians. So the first one is a pretty dead giveaway uh, because Jesus says, this is why people will hate you. But it says... We are chosen out of this world. Okay. If we look at verse 19, it says, I have chosen you out of this world. This is why the world hates you. Okay. So literally the fact that we are chosen by God out of this world is why is the first reason why people hate us. And and when we look at this reason, it doesn't always look or feel like something tangible. But, but when, we, when we see people get chosen to do things, we get jealous, right? Like, I want to do that. Like, I, I don't know about you guys, but, uh, and I was talking to, I think it was Emma, about this earlier. I got to 
uh, I got to participate in like a halftime thing. I, I've got to do this a couple times. But in my life, when I'm at a sporting event and I'm not selected to be the guy that shoots the half-court shot for a car or whatever, like I get really jealous. I'm like, man, I want to go shoot a half-short co- shot for the car. Like, like I, I, we have this – like if someone else is chosen and I'm not, we have this dislike for that person just naturally. Like it, it, it's just a weird thing about us. And, and I look at this idea of – uh, fear of missing out or FOMO. I don't know if people still say that. That was a thing at one point. But uh, this idea of fear of missing out on things is very real in our society. Like we have this desire to want to be in everything, to participate in everything, and want to be uh, known. And while people won't always acknowledge this as a thing, we all know it is, right? We can all sit here and pretend like we don't have, like we don't experience this, but we do. And even as a kid, like, think about when you're in grade school, everyone wanted to be the one that the teacher chose to, like, go on an errand or, like, get to, like, do a special task or something like that. And you look back at school, and the students that the teacher continued to choose out of the class, others would dislike them or pick on them, honestly, for no reason other than the fact that they were the teacher's pet, right? Like, we know this idea of being a teacher's pet is, like, a negative connotation, and realistically, We have no grounds for hating this person other than the teacher chose them, right? And and so we can see how if someone is chosen, and I'm speaking as someone who is a teacher's pet, both both of my parents are teachers. So like every teacher in the school knew who I was and I was a good kid. So like I was always the teacher's pet. So I was always picked on and hated by people literally for no reason other than the teacher was friends with my parents. But we... I think this is one of the main reasons that Christians have a tendency to act in a certain way, uh, a way that the world will accept them. Like, I think this is one of the big reasons that Christians act unchristlike is because they're trying to separate themselves from this chosenness of God, right? Like if you're chosen by God, we, we don't always want this chosen status to be displayed for all to see. We want to do what we can to almost like mask it. And so we do these things that we see others doing in the world, whether it's maybe looking at things we shouldn't on the Internet. Or maybe it's talking a way that we shouldn't talk, uh, you know, to in general. Or maybe it's doing what other people are doing, you know, partaking in events, activities, things that we that that our friends are doing that we shouldn't be doing guys i don't know what it is but as christians i know the temptation to do what the world does is very real right and we want to do that mainly because we're trying to mask this this chosenness from god i I, i'm going to give you some examples from my own life because i don't want you to feel like you're alone in this we don't want we we don't (laughs) we know what leads to people making fun of us and disliking us. And we try to avoid that, right? Like for me, it was not easy being the only guy, one of the only people in band that like didn't cuss. Okay. I know that's like such a, but like everyone would always like throw stuff like, or talk inappropriately or talk about things or to be on the basketball team and be like the only person who wasn't, uh, objectifying women talking about sexual things in the locker room like locker room talk is like a very real thing like you always hear that thrown around it's a very real thing 
And it's like really hard to be someone who wants to try to stay pure in this idea of like, hey, I want to be the person who's God, who God's called me to be. I want to separate myself from that. I want to take this idea that God has chosen me to be someone called by him. And I want to separate myself from the things of this world. It's very hard to be that. Not only is it hard because you want to be involved, it's hard because if you're not involved, they, you're singled out, right? It's something that's really challenging. Often we're willing to shun our chosen status to look favorable to the world. Guys, everything about our lives as a Christian should scream that we are chosen by God to do his work. If that means that we are an outsider, an outcast, isolated by ourselves because we're the only one, that, that's great because you are chosen by God to be set apart, not to be a part of the world. It says right here, I, uh, um, you do not belong to the world, but I've chosen you out of the world. Right? We are not designed to be people who participate and, and partake of the things in this world. We're, we're called and chosen to be people set apart from those things in our lives. We're to embrace these things that make us different. These things that cause us to be teased or cause us to be hated. That's why this verse in scripture is Jesus letting us know to expect it and ultimately that it's going to be okay. Right? The world and other people are going to hate you because you are chosen by God. You are set apart by God to be different from the world and people are going to hate you for that. The second thing I see here, and again, this is kind of surface, but it goes so much deeper. But the second thing is the world hated Jesus. Now, we, we kind of talked about this, right? That they had no grounds for hating Jesus, but they hated him anyway. And so because we follow Jesus, they hate us. This almost seems like a silly reason. But, but I think given here and in the context of this passage, it's a major reasoning. I want to look back at what, what I said earlier. About Jesus having no reason to be hated, but we have many reasons to be hated. I mean, Jesus was a flawless human. And we can't even begin to imagine or think of or describe what that is. He had no sin. He didn't do a single thing wrong. He was perfect. But yet people hated him so much that they would eventually kill him. So if they hated him only based on who he is and what he taught, we must look at why that made the world so mad at Jesus and what we can draw from this in our own experience. Why did the world hate Jesus so much? Why did they hate him to the point that they wanted to kill him, try to get rid of him forever? The main players in, in this whole hatred of Jesus back in his day, they were looking to discredit dishonor and ultimately dispose of Jesus. And these people were the religious teachers, which sounds really, really weird, but it's true. And I'll tell you why, why, why was it was because he was so threatening to them. So why was he so threatening to them? These religious teachers were super corrupt. Okay. And they had turned religion and, uh, and faith in God from what it should have been. They had turned it basically into a business. Okay, they were, they were profiting off this. They were a, it was a business in which they were the CEOs who had the wealth and the power. Right? They were like these religious leaders. Everyone needed religion. And to get religion, they had to go through 
these leaders. When Jesus came into the picture, he worked to restore and he taught the truth that faith in God is is more of a personal relationship rather than some sort of weird business relationship. He stripped away the power that those religious teachers had and undermined the authority that he that they had with other people. That's why even at his birth, you look at like when Jesus was born, almost immediately they had to flee the country because King Herod was sending people to try to find out information to try to come kill him because he knew what was to come. He knew that Jesus had the power, that Jesus had the authority to totally undermine the power that he held at that time. And he He didn't want that to happen. He knew that Jesus would make those who had earthly power and respect irrelevant. These religious teachers thought that Jesus was coming to take their, their power. When in reality, all he did was make them completely irrelevant. So how does this compare to us today? How, how does this translate to who we are today? I look around at our society, our government, and, and quite frankly, even some religious teachers of today, and they crave this same power, this same control over us. And ultimately, they know that Christians having convictions and commands from any other authority other than those people who have earthly power is a threat. Right. If I have any reason not to listen to the authority and the power of people on earth, if I have any reason to go over their head, which would be basically only a deity or in this case, God, they are threatened by that. The reason the world hates Christians is because they are trying to break your spirit and simultaneously destroy your faith in God. Because if you lose your faith in Jesus, then you have no other option than to submit yourself and your convictions to these people who have earthly power. Guys, as Christians, we have one thing that no amount of power in the entire world can contain. And that is the mighty and ultimate power of God. And that scares the life out of anyone who has power on our earth. And they will do anything they can to discredit, to dishonor, and to dispose of your faith. One of the ways this is done is through creating a cultural mindset about Christians and Christianity. When you hear someone say that they hate Christians because they're hypocritical or judgmental, realize that these words are from someone who doesn't understand what being a Christian truly means. We have been fed or we've heard these claims thrown around. And that's not to say that some Christians aren't judgmental or aren't hypocritical because some are. Okay, I'm not saying that all Christians are perfect. But what they don't realize is that Christians are just humans like non-Christians are just humans. We all make mistakes. We all have flaws. We all have problems. Being a Christian is not about being perfect. It's about having a relationship with Jesus and having convictions to the most high God. We've been fed or we've heard these claims thrown around so much that we begin to believe them. Even as Christians, we look around and we go, my goodness, why are so many other Christians hypocritical and judgmental? We start to believe these things that our culture tells us about Christians. The culture is of the world. 
right? Our culture is built and based out of the world and the world is rooted in hating God and anything that belongs to him. We look at the idea that the Bible constantly talks about this quote, God of this world. And it's a God with a lowercase g. So we know it's not talking about God above, but God of this world is talked about multiple times in scripture. And we know that to be Satan. The world literally belongs to Satan. So if our culture is part of our world, that is the culture belongs to Satan. And he's going to use the culture to try to undermine God. He's going to use our culture, use the world, use the temptations of the world to try to destroy our faith in God. Which leads us right into point number three. And we finally see this in verse 21. Where it says, they will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one, capital O, one, as in God, who sent me. So point number three, the world hates us because they are lost. Guys, you know I'm an OU fan. That's where I went to school. That's where I grew up and everything. There's a huge rivalry. You may have heard of it. Oklahoma and Texas. Okay, We don't like each other very much. And all the time, every year, we play a game in Dallas... And I, I go down there quite a few times and I see people wearing burnt orange and I literally hate them for no reason other than they're wearing burnt orange, right? Like I look across from me and I see these people who are basically exactly like me, just live a little bit further south in the country than me. And I dislike them for no reason other than they're the opposing team, right? And so when we look at this idea of God and Satan, the God of this world, <clears throat> They are two separate teams, right? And not only are they rivals like OU and Texas, they are eternal rivals to a much grander scale than anything we can even begin to imagine. And so when we look at the world hating us, it's because they're the enemy. And that sounds harsh and that sounds rude, but it's a reality, We need no reason to understand why the world hates us other than the fact that they're on the other side. They're the opponent. They're the enemy. When you face persecution, realize that it's simply a world uh, and the God of this world doing what he does to try to kill, steal, and destroy you. And I think a telling thing about this world is seen here in verse 22 where it says, If I had not come... And spoken to them, they would not be guilty of their sin. The reason the world hates us and the angle they use to attack us are the same. We convict them of their, of their sinful actions. The reason that they like to point out that Christians are hypocritical, the reason they like to point out that Christians are judgmental, is because they don't like when they're convicted of the things they do wrong. Have you ever noticed that the biggest attack... Thrown on Christians is our judgmental, closed-minded bigotry. The world does this because we are actually, because we're not actually wrong. They're the ones in the wrong, and they don't want to be convicted of doing what is wrong, what is against God. The world will tell you to do whatever you desire. Hey, if it's right for you, it's right for you, and what's right for me is right for me. Hear that all the time. Guys, this is garbage. There's only one truth, and it's the Word of God. Okay? It's right here, and I can tell you guys right now that a lot of the things that this world says are okay, the scriptures say that it's not okay. And people don't want to hear that. If something's contrary to that, sorry, it's wrong. 
If it's contrary to scripture, it's wrong. I'm sorry. You may really want to do it. It may feel really right to you, but it's wrong. And if someone doesn't like that, it's, it's simply a product of their conviction of their sin. If someone wants to get mad at you for telling them what they're doing is wrong, if you can prove that it's wrong with scripture, they're not actually mad at you. They're mad at, they're mad at their self and they're mad at the scriptures for not allowing them to do what they want to do. Or they're mad at themselves for having a desire to do this. <clears throat> we have to realize that the world is not on our team. That the people of this world, as much as we may want to be accepted by them, guys, they're not on our team. We have to realize that the fact that they hate us really means that we're doing something right. It means we're actually walking in the footsteps of Jesus and following his lead. Does this make us feel any better? When we're being hated? No. Of course not. None of us like being hated. It feels awful. But ultimately, we shouldn't worry about why the world hates us. And we should spend our life hoping that it does. Because if the world stops hating you, you've become a part of the problem. If the world stops hating you, you're on its team. We have to be people who are chosen by God, set apart by God, and ultimately hated by the world because we serve and are devoted to God above anything in this world. We trust God more than anything in this world. We, we defer to God's judgment above anything in this world. God alone, scripture alone, is the authority in our lives. And that doesn't sit well with the world. That's why the world hates Christians just for being Christians. And it's hard. It's a hard pill to swallow. It's something that we, I think every Christian asks in their life at some point or another. We have to trust that God has a plan. Scripture tells us God has a plan. We have to trust that God has a plan. And ultimately, the reward that we get in heaven, man, it's going to so much outweigh all the crap that we put up with on this earth. Let me pray for you guys. God, thank you so much for your calling on our life. Thank you so much for choosing us out of this world of darkness and choosing us to be your light in this world. And I pray that you would just convict all of our hearts that if we are living a life trying to mask our chosen status by you, trying to fit in with this world, that we would just turn our backs on that and say, forget this world. I want to serve God alone, even if it means that I'm hated, even if it means I'm set apart from my friends and my and my community. God, I just pray that you would just help us to be people who are sold out to, to a life devoted to you, no matter what that means. God, we know that's hard. And we just pray that you would just put your hand on us and help us and guide us and direct us in doing that. Give us the strength. Give us the courage to make some of those tough decisions. Give us the, the, the power, the fortitude to reject 
those evil things of this world, to turn our backs on the sin in our own lives. God, I pray that you just be with us as we continue to answer these tough questions about Christianity. God, we praise you for how great you are, how mighty you are, that your power is above all other power on this earth. And we thank you for your scriptures that give us guidance that is ultimate authority over us. No matter what other people say, no matter what other people try to tell us or believe that your scripture, we know your scripture is authority over our lives. God, we praise you and we thank you for everything you do for us. I pray a blessing on these students as we go from here. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.